Okay, ready for the slate? Yes. <laughs> and go. <laughs> Good enough. That's what happens when filmmakers start a podcast. Have to slate yeah. everything. Have to slate everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello and welcome. You're listening to Queerator, the show that celebrates LGBTQ plus artists and creators. I am your host, Poppy Fellow Pellegrino, and this is Shared in Life Radio. Today I'm speaking with Francis Jarvis, a musician and filmmaker from Toronto. His first EP, Self Portrait, was just released, and I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to him about it. Hello and welcome. <laughs> Hello, I'm excited to be here. First of all, I just wanted to talk about the album artwork. I think it's really unique. It's um, a really cool style. How'd you come up with that concept? Thank you. Um, so the fun thing about that album is that I did everything. Um, <laughs> so I uh, was like, dude, I was like, I was trying to think of what image would best represent the music because when you think about like really good album art it always is such a beautiful like snapshot of how the music is oh yeah for sure and so I already had the name self-portrait I kind of already had like the idea of what I wanted the album to to represent and to feel like yeah exactly and to feel like and so I was just I was literally just doodling Mm -hmm. and I realized well why don't if it's called self-portrait like shouldn't it be a self-portrait you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. doesn't that make the most sense um and then honestly the kind of like 3d aspect of it came from just me going wow black is really boring and I want (laughs) to spice this up and the album definitely feels like um it does feel like a self-portrait. It feels like you're showing these like little parts of yourself and how you see yourself. I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly <laughs> the vibe that I wanted. And is that how you go about writing your songs? Is it like, oh, I have something to express inside of me and I want to put it into music? Definitely. Um, music for me is like, uh, music is the one thing that allows me to express myself in a way that nothing really else does and so I don't sit down and go okay I'm gonna write something what should I write about right I kind of um something will happen and I'll go I need to handle this somehow I need to deal with this I need to sort through these feelings or whatever right um and then I'll just pick up my guitar and like start noodling and then all of a sudden there's a song and I mean I know you're an incredible dancer an incredible writer you're a poet. You do everything. I <laughs> You're a filmmaker too. So is music, the, I guess, the more emotional uh, art that you do? Is it the one you go to to express those emotions? I mean, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I think I go to different art forms for different things. But music is the only art form where I feel like I can get my stuff out into the world as easily as possible, um, have it reach as many people as possible. And there aren't quite as many rules I feel like I need to follow with music, with filmmaking. Like, 
that's a big endeavor. Like you have to know what you're doing and you have to sit down and edit it and you have to go through all of the rules, you know, Mm -hmm. and same thing with dance. Like, um, there are rules in dance and I mean, there are rules in music as well, but music is honestly, I could just like play one note for eight minutes and like, that would be the song, you know what I mean? And like, I, I, there isn't another art form for me that I found where I, that it's even possible. I totally feel that. Yeah, it's kind of the same for me when I'm feeling something that's very specific, like a specific emotion about something, I usually turn to writing because then it's just, Mm -hmm. it's all out on paper and that's the emotion and you've dealt with it and you've expressed it. But then when it's, I guess, more general, it's like you need to express it in a musical way and it's so easy to just pick up a guitar and do that. Yeah, I I find it very um, like cathartic and like, I don't want to say easy because music you know, art isn't really easy. You know, there's like work that goes into it. (laughs) Exactly, Um, yeah. But it's, for me, like, I don't even have to think about it sometimes. It just comes out. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's, I don't know, I feel like the music is like inside of me and I'm just like the messenger. And do you find it cathartic too to listen to it once you've recorded it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if I liked my own voice more, I think I'd listen to my songs all the time because they represent like parts of myself that um, are very emotional and very deep and like not always very pretty, but but I know that they're parts of me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like the songs I write, <laughs> you know, I like your voice. Why don't you like your voice? You. I think it's just, I think it's just, you know, hearing your voice back yeah. in a recording and you're like, oh God, like that's <laughs> Is that not what I, what I want like? to sound like. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just that. Yeah. It's kind of the same when you, when you film yourself, you're like, is that what I look yeah. like? Is that what people yeah. think I look like? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So as you said, you kind of did everything for this album. You self-produced it. What was that experience like? Honestly, it was really nice mm-hmm. because it gave me something to do when I didn't want to do school because I'm you know I'm in university right now and so at the end of the day when I uh, was just done with schoolwork it was something that I could work on um, and feel like I was working towards a goal but it didn't feel like schoolwork it just was like my music you know right yeah it was it was challenging I And shout out to Sean Parker. Sean Parker saved my life with this album because I'm new to mastering. I've never really like mastered or mixed um, my own music before. Mm -hmm. And so every song, when I thought it was done, I would like send it to him and be like, please tell me how to make this better. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And he would, you know, listen to it and respond and like tell me, oh, the bass needs to be, you know, this way or or your voice is too far forward in the mix or whatever. So the technical stuff I think is harder, like the the rules. Right. But it was, it was honestly really fun. And um, could you share a story about one of the songs or about why one of the songs was written? Oh, okay. (laughs) Genius lyrics time. Genius lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. My genius interview. It's happening. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. I'll talk about Alice. Okay, yeah. Alice um is honestly, in my opinion, the best song I've ever written, <laughs> like ever, out of all the music I've ever done. I think that's the the my magnum opus. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it when I was like 
14. Like I was, I wrote it very young. And the way that it came about was I was thinking, you know, all these, all these artists have like Alice in Wonderland, like analogies, you know, like, like Jefferson Airplane mm-hmm. has White Rabbit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not that it's the same song, but like they've got that. Like there's so many Alice in Wonderland kind of like references. Right. Yeah. Um, and like as a, you know, very mentally ill 14 year old, you like really associate with that kind of thing. At least I did. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to write like a like an Alice in Wonderland, you know, analogy or whatever. Um, and then I sat down and it turned into not that. <laughs> um, you can kind of you can kind of see in the lyrics throughout the song I start off and it sounds pretty like I'm making references to like eat me drink me at like the character in the song is Alice you know mm-hmm. um and then and then I don't remember like the process of writing it I just remember the words like flowing out I just remember like it was almost like I wasn't writing the song like the song was writing itself mm-hmm and it just it just came out in the way that it did i feel like represents a lot of the emotions i was feeling at that time uh in a way that if i had tried to write a song that represented my emotions it wouldn't have come out that way it wouldn't have come out as successful in my opinion and um so i know you're studying to be a filmmaker right now yes in the future, are you looking to focus more on music or more on filmmaking or a bit of both? I don't see myself ever settling down artistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to be making music for the rest of my life. I'm going to be doing film for the rest of my life. I'm going to be dancing for the rest of my life. Like, honestly, like you couldn't pay me to give up one of them. <laughs> I think music is a lot more visceral for me it's a lot uh it allows me to get my emotions out faster right because you can sit down and write a song in an afternoon and then boom it's done Mm -hmm. film like there's a little bit more planning that has to go into that (laughs) you can say that Um, again and there's like (laughs) right and there's like other people that you have to think about as well like your actors and your crew and whatever like film is a is is a for me a less personal medium in terms of like when i am the creator right yeah it's a lot more collaborative too it's a lot Mm -hmm. more like our collective vision rather than this one one thing exactly exactly but i i love film and i i genuinely like am gonna be making films for like forever you know what i mean (laughs) so i i don't know to answer your question i don't know which one I'm going to focus on more. That's totally fine. I mean, I think a lot of really creative people are great at so many different things and they do so many different things. Like they're, they're writers, but they're also actors or filmmakers or whatever. And I think when you're a person who expresses themselves creatively, it's hard to just go into one thing. No, I completely agree. Um, so now I wanted to transition into the queer questions. Yeah transition haha <laughs> that's a pun for those i'm just gonna spoiler alert for those listening spoiler who alert. don't know <laughs> um so i wanted to start with some vocabulary for people listening who may not be familiar with it so i will just say a word and francis will help me to define it and explain it for those of you who might not know yeah. so the first thing we wanted to talk about is gender and sex because there's a big difference but a lot of people think they're the same thing yeah 
Um, so sex is sex is the physical way that your body is made um, in terms of like your reproductive system. Whereas gender is um, the characteristic attributes that one identifies with regardless of how they are physically built. So gender, to, to put it, to boil it down very simply, sex is physical and gender is mental. And I think um, gender too is just kind of, it's more of a feeling rather than mm-hmm. something that you can like concretely like, see, I have this, so therefore <laughs> I'm a man. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so what is cisgender then? Somebody who is cisgender is somebody who identifies as the gender that they were assigned at birth based on their sex. So a cisgender woman would be somebody who identifies as a woman who was born with a vagina and a uterus and et cetera, et cetera. And um, maybe you could talk a bit about why people say assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth rather than born a man, born a woman. Yeah, I mean, um, when you say uh, born a man or born a woman, um, and I know that some people say it, you know, with the best intentions, they, you know, um, but it can be uh, invalidating for trans people because you are assigning them the quote unquote correct gender. You're saying, oh, well, you were born a woman, so you're really a woman. Right. Or you were born a man, so you're really a man. Whereas saying assigned female at birth or assigned male at birth um, is just a fact. Like mm-hmm. you, like I was assigned male or female, rather, I was assigned female at birth. You know, that is what happened. And there is a physical reality to being trans. Like, just because I identify as a man doesn't mean that automatically my body changes. You know, like, there is a physical reality that, to a certain extent, I am a female person. I'm just not a woman. Right. Right. And finally, dead naming. What's dead naming? After coming out, a lot of trans people uh, decide to change their name um, simply because... You know, if you identify as a man, you don't really want to have a name that people associate with a woman, simply because then it makes it easier for you to exist in the world as who you are. Um, So a dead name is a trans person's name at birth or before they changed it. So a dead naming then would be calling that person by that name. Yeah, exactly. So dead naming somebody... Uh, would be using that name to refer to uh, the the person in question. Right. Thank you for clearing that up. Of course. <laughs> and I've been asking everyone on this show about their coming up process because I think it's so interesting to hear people's personal experience rather than this general idea of coming out, which I think a lot of people yeah. have ideas about that aren't necessarily correct. Uh, so what was your coming out process like? Uh, wow. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with the trans coming out because coming out as gay, honestly, was like, after coming out of trans, my mom was like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it's, it was so much more jarring to come out as trans for like the people around me. But I came out when I was 13, I think, um, like 13, 12, 13 or 14. And I remember, this is a little anecdote, um, but I remember, I don't know if you've ever heard of Girls Rock Camp. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's this like camp that happens in Toronto. Um, and it's just for young girls who are interested in music uh, because, you know, the rock, the music industry is dominated by men. Right. Um, and so it's to, uh, you know, promote girls getting into music. Um, so I, before I even knew I was trans, I went to girls rock camp and there was, uh, this kind of presentation one day, um, about gender. And I remember sitting in the audience and the person giving the presentation, I don't remember their name, unfortunately, but the person giving the presentation started talking about being transgender and what that meant and what that word meant and, and, and all this stuff. And I remember just sitting in the audience and being like, Oh my God, like these feelings that I've been having forever, basically, like finally I, I have a word for that. Like there's a label. There's, there's, there's something that I can now use to explain myself to people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like, cried a little bit honestly it was like (laughs) in the in the audience just like weeping a little bit because it was just so powerful um and afterwards I went up to this person and it was all like secretive like nobody else could know (laughs) that I was talking to this person but I went up to them and I said what do I do if I think I'm trans that's what I said and they were like there no judgment just nothing there was like just complete just love and acceptance and like this person I really wish I could remember their name um because genuinely like they if they hadn't had that reaction like I don't know what coming out would have been like but they like hand wrote this note for me about like resources that I could go to and like websites that I could visit and oh, all this that's stuff so but it was awesome like, I think I still have it somewhere like the note I kept it Aww. And yeah, and so, oh my God. And I like called kids help phone at one point and I was like, I don't know how to come out to my parents. Kids help phone also amazing. I love Mm. kids help phone. I stand by kids help phone. (laughs) So it was, you know, rocky coming out was, was rocky. It was up and down. Um, I think there's an assumption that queer people come out to everybody all at once at the same time. Mm Um, you know, like there's the big coming out, the single coming out moment and then they're out forever for everybody. But it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, like I, a gradual, you keep coming out as... Exactly. Even when you're at a place where you're totally open about it, it's like you meet a new person and you're like, so... Yeah. just like going to sneak in that I listen to Girl in Red. Out. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I came out to my friends first because they like literally did... They were so fine with it. Um. And I remember another anecdote. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Francis with his anecdotes. Um, but I was sitting with my friend and I was, oh yeah, maybe like 12 or 13. And I was at her house and we were both, you know, on our phones, whatever. And I just had this feeling where I was like, I have to tell her right now. I have to tell her right now. And I had a friend who had recently come out as trans. And so to gauge her reaction, I said, oh, you know this person. They came out as trans. Like, what if this how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, my friend didn't even look from up from her phone and she was like, okay, like that's fine. <laughs> and there's this silence. And I remember going, what if I'm trans? 
And she just looked up at her, looked up at me and went, okay. And then like went back to Instagram or whatever. And I was like, yes, it's okay. I can be trans. So like those two experiences, honestly, if they had been any different, if I had been met with a more negative um, response, I think coming out would have been so much harder mm-hmm. um, later on. And like, I don't want to make it sound like it was easy. Like it wasn't easy. You know, it, it was coming out isn't fun. Right. Yeah. Um, but those two experiences were like, I couldn't have asked for for better responses honestly and like that's that's all that really queer people want i think is for people to just be like okay i see you but like sure right yeah you know like you're not different like you're just more you right yeah i think seeing that someone doesn't like they they like you for you they don't like you for a gender that that's really powerful yeah it was incredibly powerful it was incredibly powerful and i'm so grateful for those two experiences and how did your parents react well we tell this story differently my parents don't remember this happening this way (laughs) but for me uh, it happened this way right um i was and i will just say this for any queer people listening who haven't come out yet don't do this don't don't come out the way that i came out to my parents it was not good um pro tip a pro tip Mm -hmm. but we were on a road trip we were coming home from ottawa and the road trip from Ottawa to Toronto is like five and a half hours. It's ridiculous. So we were about two hours in. And I remember leaning forward. And I was like, do you know what trans is? And my parents were like, oh, not particularly, like not really. So I explained it to them. And then I went, I'm trans. <laughs> I just said it. Uh, and my parents were like, okay, um, <laughs> we're in a car. We can't really have this conversation right now. And I was like, well, we're having it at this moment currently. Um, and they don't remember getting angry. I remember them getting angry. So I'm just going to assume that they got angry. But my dad, I remember, um, yeah, he got really like frustrated. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why are you saying that? You know, like, that's almost like, that's not true. Like, don't right. be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and my mom got very emotional. I remember her crying a lot. Um, and I remember her saying, she kept saying over and over, like, you're not my little girl anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> like, that, that is the whole point. Yeah. And so it just, that kind of was not the best option that I could have gone for. Um, and it was, uh, a bit of a struggle getting them to kind of understand what being trans meant and like what I was talking about. Um, and they, I told them that I wanted to be called Francis, that I didn't want to be called my dead name anymore. It took them a very long time to start calling me Francis. Mm Um, it it took a very long time for them to kind of fully understand what being trans means. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole, the whole spectrum of, of not just binary trans people, but like everything in between right. um, or, or everything else that's outside of the, the binary. Um, 
but now like my parents are totally fine with it my mom's like the biggest ally ever and she like (laughs) she like gets really mad when people misgender people and like she's always making sure that like she's using the right pronouns and stuff so like there is hope there's yeah that's so good to hear because i think a lot of parents when their child comes out it's a shock and they're not really sure what to do and they deal with it in a really bad way but then Mm -hmm time passes and they put work into learning about it and their child tries to educate them about it and then they just become this enlightened person and that's so good to hear yeah and it i am very grateful for my parents like i love my parents very much um and i genuinely think that like they realized that they had to put in the work to understand it um and so there's like uh i don't know maybe i think it might be at ctys um, but there's like a group, basically group therapy almost for parents of trans kids who mm-hmm. don't really know how to parent the trans kid who like really don't understand, um, or who are struggling to some capacity mm-hmm. with their kid coming out. Um, and my mom went to like all of the meetings for a while and like that really helped her as well. So like there are resources for parents who, who don't understand or who who want to educate themselves. Yeah, and I think um, if people are afraid to come out to their parents because they don't think their parents will understand, that's really good to hear because that means that there's there's hope for their parent. Like, it, it doesn't really yeah. matter what they know or what they don't know. If they love you, then they're going to put in the effort and they're going to try to understand and they will understand eventually i think exactly and i think it was also because i came out at a time when like transgender wasn't nearly as uh known um outside of the queer community or outside of the trans community like um i think up until very recently people really didn't know what that word meant or it just wasn't an accessible idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think very recently it has kind of started to almost come to light, you know, like um, the trans rights movement really has like taken off and like really, especially in, you know, Canada and, and the U S mm-hmm. um, but like it is a much more accessible term. It's a much more widespread, wi- widely known idea. Um, and so I think that, that, Had it been that way when I came out, I think uh, my parents might have reacted differently, but, like, it was really not anything that people were familiar with, I think, up until very recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with trans rep in media. Like, it's increased so much in the past few years. And I know you have some opinions on queer representation, so I, I wanted to talk to do. you about that. Um, I have opinions on everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, we, I mean, we've talked about Call Me By Your Name before, which you can talk about if you want. Um, but I feel like when you're showing queer stories, or you're talking about queer characters, there's a certain responsibility that comes with that. And I was wondering if you could talk about your feelings towards that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to make a point to not watch things that I think are going to be bad representations of queer people because I just don't want to deal with that. I just mm-hmm. really, why would I do that to myself? Um, so I can't say that I can't reference a lot of the media 
that uh, people have told me is not great representation because I haven't seen it. So I don't, I, you know, representation in good representation is the kind of first step to rights for any community because if because media is accessed by everybody it by literally every single person on the earth you know um and so if the representation is not good or is untruthful that is being spread to billions of people essentially which it can be extremely harmful and if the representation is not good um it's perpetuating these ideas about minority groups to billions of people and then these billions of people are going to keep thinking gay people are weird trans people are weird you know whatever i have personally seen very little good representation of trans people uh because a lot of the representation i have seen is just about the the transness of this person it's just about like this person who was basically like born a woman you know it's kind of framed in that way like this person was born a woman or born a man they come out and it's always so sad and they you always feel so sad for this person because it never works out for them and they go through the transition and then like something terrible happens to them and they and it's just about how being trans is this horrible thing that they have to go through and and it's this it's like this curse that they have to fix you know um and it being honestly like being trans really isn't like that i think people forget that queer people are also people like the ways that we identify are only one facet of who we are as people and so I think it does a disservice to queer people to paint them as only gay or only trans or identify them by their gender or romantic or whatever, their, their identities. I watched this one movie in grade 12 called Romeo's. Don't watch it. <laughs> it's like German. Um, not that German movies are bad. This one movie was bad, but it was in German. Um, and it was about this trans guy. And just to give a little a little taste, mm. the first scene is him injecting his testosterone, which I do. I inject my own testosterone, so I know how to do it. I'm familiar with the process. Right. Um, and he just does it completely wrong. He just does it so wrong, <laughs> so incredibly incorrect. And he, do, he does it in a way that like would just seriously mess up his body. Like, it's not healthy. And I remember watching it and being like, you can't even get that right. <laughs> like you couldn't even ask a doctor, like any doctor. Yeah, that's such an doctor. easy thing to fix. Yeah, right. And it was just like, uh, yeah, don't watch that movie. Terrible. <laughs> it was just the worst representation. Um, yeah. But like that kind of thing is so, like you even even in the media where you see this trans guy injecting his own testosterone, like he's not even doing that right. Right. It and that's that's kind of like the the minimum requirement. Exactly. Like, at least show the health, like, the physical doctor stuff to be right. accurate. You know? Like, oh, right. it was just insulting, honestly. Yeah, and I think that with representation, it it's okay to tell 
a sad story because it yeah. put things in perspective. But it's it's bad when it's always a sad story. And I think yeah. that's the problem is that every story is like they come out of trans as they come out as trans, it ruins their life, they end up dead. And yeah. or like the relationship breaks off or the people in their life leave them. And mm-hmm. when you're only seeing that that's what your idea of trans becomes. But when you're seeing sad stories and you're also seeing stories where people are accepting and, you know, healthy trans people are living their lives, which is a a lot of trans people are living their lives and they're like, yeah, whatever. It's just a part of my life. So when you're seeing both of those things, it's it's okay. But when there's only sad stories, it becomes a problem. Exactly. And I think that there is a reality that you know um being trans isn't fun all the time you know there are moments when it's terrifying there are moments when you wish that you could be anyone else when you're like Mm. i wish that this could be taken away from me like i wish that this i didn't identify this way but there are moments when you're like this is the most beautiful thing in the world like why would i ever be ashamed of this why would i ever want to change that at least for me personally I've had moments where I feel like if honestly even now I feel this most of the time and I do recognize it is in part because I live in a place where medicine for me is is very accessible and mm-hmm. where people um the government like is starting to recognize or has recognized trans rights and stuff like that like living in Canada and specifically a big city in Canada I I recognize as like the biggest gift to to a trans person um but I feel like honestly if some genie came out of a magic lamp and was like if you want like I could make you cis like a cis man I could make you a cisgender man I don't know if I would say yes you know I don't know if if I would if I would want that simply Mm -hmm. because I think that being trans is is such a wonderful thing like who else has access to kind of both sides of the fence you know who who else uh what other identity is there that so that allows you to see things from such a multitude of angles you know um and, and honestly i think that being trans and being queer has like forced me to be much more open-minded and simply because I want to understand myself but I recognized that like there were other people who were going through different experiences that I didn't understand but if I wanted them to understand my experiences I have to understand them I have to respect them Mm -hmm. like this is a reciprocal thing um and so I it makes me so sad when the only narratives about trans people that I see are being trans is the worst thing this person could possibly have gone through or being trans is this like curse or being trans is, is uh, just horrible. Cause it's not, sometimes it is, I will admit sometimes it sucks ass, you know, sometimes you go walk in the bathroom and it's terrifying and you're like, Oh God, what am I doing? But like other times it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I mean, um, in terms of like films uh, that I've seen, specifically films, are actually books too, because I'm not going to go on a J.K. Rowling rant. I'm not going to do it. But we'd she, be here for hours. I, I, we, I literally, yes. We'd pull up <laughs> we the essay me. and start dissecting each line. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I watched a movie recently called Tomboy, very famous movie. Oh, I'm sure you've oh my seen god! It. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. Um, I won't spoil it for the viewers listening because I think it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. It's so sad, but it's also not sad at all. Like it's also very hopeful. But the ending, um, I hated the ending of that movie. I, I, I hated it. I agree with you totally. I hated it so much because it it shows trans people as confused or um, like being trans is, is a phase or just something that you can choose to stop being. And that's incredibly harmful because you can't just stop being trans because you because you don't like it anymore. You know, you can't. I didn't wake up one day and go okay, I'm going to be a boy now and change my whole life. Like, that isn't what happens. And that movie does such a beautiful job of portraying the experiences of a young trans person, a trans man, going through life pre-coming out, pre-transition. And, like, there are moments in that film where I literally had to, like, pause it and walk away because I was like, that, like, I literally did that. Like, that's too real. This is too real, and I need to go take a break. And then the ending came in, and it was like, actually, it was all a phase, and this main character is a girl, and everyone's a girl, and it all worked out. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying with the movie, and I think, um, I don't know, I kind of took it as not necessarily a trans film but just a film about gender expression in general no. i mean personally i think i think the main character is trans but that's just they're also fictional yeah. <laughs> but um but it just kind of felt like a recognition of gender expression rather than gender mm -hmm. identity but I also agree that it's a little misleading in that way, too, because you're you're rooting for this little boy. You're like, oh, yes. And then the ending happens and you're like, what? what? No. <laughs> yeah. And another key thing, I think, um, that is in a lot of media that tries to portray trans people is this idea um, of what I'm going to call gender based trauma. Which I think is, you know, and trigger warning, content warning, you know, we're going to get into it. But, um, like, I think that there is a reality that trans people are more uh, more likely to be traumatized. You know, are, 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 there's a very high risk that a trans person will get abused in various ways. But a lot of trans media, and a lot of gay media as well, it's not just, I think it's just queer people people like people trying to portray queer people and not doing a great job is um anything bad that happens to the queer person is because they're queer or as a direct result of their queerness or um is caused by them being queer somehow so um if you take romeo's that movie i was talking about the terrible movie the main kind of I guess conflict or the main traumatic moment in that movie comes when characters find out that he's not a cis man and um, are abusive towards him because of that. Uh, in Tomboy, it's it's when they find out that 
Mikael is not a cis man. Um, and they traumatize him because of that. And then there it, it creates this relationship between being trans and having trauma that I think a lot of people do experience, but it's not the experience of everybody. And I think doing that, putting, having a link that strong between trauma and gender expression can work to um, demonize trans people or to scare trans people into, into not coming out perhaps, into going, oh, I don't want this to happen to me. You know, I don't want this, I don't want to have that experience, so I'm just, you know, not going to live life the way that I want to, or the way that I'm not going to express myself the way that I feel like I need to. Um, and it also perpetuates the idea that nothing good can come from being queer. You know, if if you're a cis parent watching Tomboy, you're going to be like, oh my god, Mikael is like now effed over for life because <laughs> he was like, abused and traumatized, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want my my children to go through that. I'm not going to let them express themselves this way. And that's my perspective. Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of people who have much different perspectives, and that's totally fine. But for me personally, that link, I think, can be very damaging. And I think we really need to work to um, provide representation that isn't just like, this person is trans and that means that their life sucks. Do you have any suggestions of media that you think would be a good a good movie to watch? <laughs> no? <laughs> no. I, I, I really don't. Um, that's a really uh, good question. I'm trying to think, too. This is a hard question. Right? I think, I think there's a lot of good uh, gay representation. I think there's less good trans representation simply because I don't think it's been as, uh, again, I don't think it's been as accessible until very recently. Um, I don't think people have been even aware of what being trans is until the past, you know, like six years, basically. <laughs> I guess, in, yeah, I guess in terms of documentary, I can think of, for those listening, if you haven't seen Disclosure, it's on Netflix. It's all about what we were just talking about, about trans representation in media. Okay. Laverne Cox produced it, it. And yeah, of course she of did. Of course she did. Um, and do you know that guy who's always the trans guy in every ABC show? Oh my God. Yes. Elliot like... somebody. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So he's in it too. Um, but yeah, for those listening, Disclosure, it's a documentary. It's really good. Um, also on HBO and Crave, there's Transhood, which is about four children who are transitioning in Texas, uh, which is obviously super fun for them because um, that's the epicenter of anti-transgender violence, which is horrible, but um, it just tracks their childhood as a trans person. And it provides nice, nice perspective, I would say. Okay, I will yeah. put those on the list. Um, documentary, Paris is Burning. I know it's iconic. Mm. And a lot of queer people have seen it. But a lot of people haven't, actually. But um, Yeah, I actually haven't seen Paris is Burning. It's, I know I need it to. It is very, because it, it's a documentary. I think documentary mm -hmm. is, you know, the best way to portray people because it's, it's true, you know, Um but it's very good. There are trans uh, people or uh, they're, that just talk about being trans. It's um, mostly trans women 
Um, but yeah, Paris is Burning is good. And if you haven't seen it, um, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. Mm. Uh, for the listeners who may not know, Marsha P. Johnson was a... Uh, she is credited with being kind of like the first trans rights activist. Um, she was a black trans woman, uh, drag queen, sex worker. Uh, she was just like the mother of of the trans community basically um and she died under very mysterious circumstances and but that's kind of the documentary goes through um her life and her death and the people that she was connected to sylvia rivera is also in it oh my god i love that woman so much but she also kind of was like one of the first um trans rights activists um and so it's about them and and about uh their stories uh, paralleled with modern experiences of, of trans. I think it was made in like very, very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like modern uh, anti-trans violence, it like parallels Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera who are in like the sixties and seventies with uh, modern anti-trans violence. It's very good. So if you haven't seen that one as well, that's some good representation right there. Perfect. Um, and finally, three words to describe yourself. And we're going to use that to title the episode. It can be adjectives, nouns, whatever. (laughs) Uh, I did not prepare for this. Caffeinated and confused. All right. I like that. Alliterative. Thank you. Thank you. He's a writer. (laughs) Yeah, he's a writer. He only does poetic titles. Pulls out like a turtleneck and a cigarette. Oh, you know I would. You know I would. (laughs) <laughs> that's what we conducted this interview yeah exactly like, i've actually been petting to... my cat this whole time yeah <laughs> yeah in that yeah. like creepy stroke way yeah yeah the but he's head. like a sphinx cat it's like really yeah. ugly but like cute right. ugly you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh thanks so much for being here this was really fun thank you so much i feel so like special i'm like oh i'm being <laughs> interviewed for a podcast wow <laughs> I'm like really making it. Well, I wanted to put your music out there because it's so good. And thank you. I'm so excited for people to hear it. If you're listening and you want to check out Francis's music, it's awesome. It's like indie rock slash acoustic, mostly indie rock, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, you'd say. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like indie rock. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to check out his music, it's on YouTube. Francis Jarvis is your YouTube channel. Yes. Okay. So you can check it out on YouTube. It's called Self-Portrait. And you can also check it out on SoundCloud. I'll link his Instagram in the description. And you can go look at his link tree. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, not to spoil anything, but I've got something new in the works. I've got something in the works. Album? Spill the tea. Well, I'm not going to spill the tea because (laughs) I don't want to spoil it. But I'm just saying you should keep your eye out. So go follow him and find out what the tea is. It'll be great. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For show updates, follow us on Instagram at queerator underscore podcast. Links to Francis's music and his YouTube channel will be in the description. And the next episode of Queerator, I'll interview Michael Ackman, who is a filmmaker, writer, dramaturge, and actor from London. See you then. Stay proud. Addiction just leads you